The following is an at-will presentation. Roderick Hall presents a multitude of talents. Cram it, song and lyricist, dance it, bright lights, big city, flash it, flash mob it, YouTubed, mash it. Todrick, there are three things in life you can't escape. No, not death, taxes, and Sunday school. I'm thinking more you, us, and it. Whatever it is, you've definitely got it. Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent exploding from that infectious smile, soul style. I think I got your number, girl, but I'm wondering if you've got it memorized. If it's changed over the years, is it infinite? Is there sin in it? Wind in it? Sun, moon, and stars in it? Is there wind in it? Can you spin in it? If body is instrument, my God, can you play it magnificent? I want to know how you implement it in daily existence. Is the sky the limit? And who's the boy behind all of it? He's been writing songs since the first grade, straight out of Arlington, Texas. Been running from the truth since his first fade, reckless. Could he be the leading man if he was less gay? If he was a woman, would you try to give him less pay? I don't know about you, but I think that's dumb. I don't know about you, but I think that's fucking genius. Bold genius. Straight out of Oz. More than just a music video performance. A social structure exploitage. A man taking his career in his own hands and speaking truth. Spitting truth. Sound familiar? See, we're not actually that different, me and you. He sings, give love to the ones that make your heart beat. I sing, tick, 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 boom. And the heart goes, then love bombs explode. Beat, beat. If home is where the heart is, I am in my home. He is in his home, and you are in your home today. Today I'm coming home. Today we're both coming home. Today we're all coming home. Today our homes become communal, a community. This is the love bomb. One home for all. This is a conversation with a boy I love named Todrick. Explosive shockwaves can cause situations such as body displacement, emotional breakthroughs, relatable flashbacks, and love. Above all, this is love. What you do in the space is, it's really just magical, and I like look up to you a lot and what you've been doing in it so well thank you honored to have you here so let's just uh let's just start off with who you are who is who is Todrick um Todrick is a a work in progress but um, I'm having fun working on this project that is life and um I am just a person who likes to be creative and likes to share my gifts with the world I'm from Texas Mm -hmm. I was an only child until I was 14 or 15 years old oh interesting Yeah, so um, my life is, like, ever-changing, ever-evolving. I think that I would be a completely different person had I believed in myself 
from the beginning of life hmm. but I keep taking like small baby steps and accomplishing things on like a bucket list as opposed to going to the one thing that I really want to do which I don't even really know what that is so um I um I'm just uh, like trying to like master each chapter each chapter like day to day like going mm-hmm. through life yeah I mean what were you like as a little kid as a little kid I was I mean I <laughs> I was very, I don't want to say, I keep saying creative, but that's Mm -hmm. all I can use to describe myself. I would sit around and, like, collect toilet paper rolls, and my mom would go all over town to, like, collect toilet paper rolls for me, and she had no idea what it was I needed them for. And then I would create these, like, big castles and stuff that I would, like, live in for weeks out of just toilet paper rolls, thousands and thousands of toilet paper rolls that the community would come together to give me. And um, I'm just blessed to have lived in a family and in a neighborhood where people didn't judge me for the weird crazy things that I wanted to do. Hmm. I wanted a fog machine more than life itself. <laughs> and this was like back in the day when you could not just get a fog machine just because you felt like it. It was like a very difficult thing to get. And I grew up in Plainview, Texas. Before mm-hmm. I ever moved to Arlington, I was like in this small town. And I remember my mom getting me a, a fog machine for Christmas. And I don't think I've ever been happier before that point or since that that <laughs> moment. Um, they hid it underneath the couch and they opened, I opened all my presents and I was like trying to pretend that I was happy and grateful, but I really wanted it so bad. And then like all of a sudden I heard like, and I turned around and there was smoke everywhere and I was like, like turned into Mariah Carey. It was like whistle toning all over. And, um, it was just the happiest, you know, like moment of my life. So I was just always, um, a go-getter. I always, I, I signed myself up for dance class at eight years old. I looked in the phone book and figured out how you wow. had to do it. And I was always trying to recreate the Disney Christmas parades and recreate things that I saw like on Broadway videos. And my family could never go to Disney World. And I was the biggest Disney fan. And all I ever wanted to do was go to Disney mm-hmm. World. And we couldn't afford <clears throat> to do things like that. So it was just one of those things I was like, if I want to get these things that we that are so outside the realm of what I think is possible from the life that I lead, lead um, then I have to make them happen myself. So I auditioned for Disney World at 18 years old. And instead of going to college, I did Beauty and the Beast at Disney World. Ah. And so I got to go to Disney for my first time. When that I was, was the first time when you got cast? As an employee, which kind of like wasn't as cool because <laughs> everybody was like backstage with their heads off and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to like experience it like a childhood you know mm. I mean did you get to eventually I did sort of the the people that were in Beauty and the Beast with me thought I was so crazy because in between shows I would go out and like have the characters sign my book and stuff right. but I was just such a fan of all of I know every Disney movie by heart and yeah those songs really helped shape who I am you know totally was there anybody else in your family growing up that was super creative no, a fun fact about me is that I'm related to Jennifer Holliday, who's a Tony Award-winning actress okay. for Dreamgirls. She mm-hmm. played the original Effie White. But she, when I was born, she was doing uh, Dreamgirls. So anytime I said I wanted to do theater, they would be like, well, you know, your cousin Jennifer mm-hmm. is on Broadway. You know, but like... Uh, no one else really did anything like that. I, I, um, my grandma had three daughters, and they all had grandsons. Um, I mean, they all had sons. Mm-hmm. So there were like 12 or 14 you know, me and my cousins, like the the group of family mm. members I grew up with. But um, we never, no one, everybody played football and played basketball and did what what was expected of right. you to do as a young black man, you know? And did you play football too? 
I played a version of football, okay. you know, like my own gig that I was leading myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I played basketball because my dad was a basketball coach. My mm-hmm. stepdad um, was a basketball coach. So I did do those things, but I never felt at home doing those things. And I never felt like it was right. And I didn't know at that time that I was gay right. or anything, but I just knew that something about it always felt like I was putting on an act as opposed to fitting in. You were just different. You knew yeah. that. I mean, when did you first know that you were gay? I watched an episode of Younger, and it just really, (laughs) that was the moment that defined it. (laughs) Um, I don't know, honestly. I remember when Cinderella with Brandy came out, Mm -hmm. and and I loved that movie, and I thought Paolo Montalban was so hot, the the, um, Filipino prince. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, like, I kind of would want to be be one of the girls at the ball that be Cinderella. this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I thought I was Cinderella. Like, I was always sitting in my own little corner, in mm-hmm. my own little chair, like, singing Brandy songs. And um, so I, I don't really remember the moment that I th- started thinking maybe it could happen. Right. Um, and there were, like, some experimental things where, you know, like, boys will just, like, you know, be looking at each other. And I was – but it wasn't a sexual thing. Right. But when I moved to Arlington, Texas, and I went to high school, I went to a pep rally the day I started that school. And there was a guy, cheerleader there, and he was just, like, you know, like, just so sexy to me. And I, I – that was, like, you know, you're so hormon- hormonal. I right. was 15 years old, and I saw him, like, tumbling around the school, and everyone would freak out every time he would do anything because he was so much better than all the girl <laughs> cheerleaders. And, um, and I just – at that moment, I was like, it went from being something I would be interested in to like, I have a crush right. on my first guy, and I would want to go on a date with this guy, and that's when I like basically admitted it to myself, and I told my mom very quickly after oh, you that, did. yeah, yeah, I didn't keep it a secret for very long. I I thought my relationship was so great with my mom that we would hit it off, and like he'd come over for lunch, and dinner, and <laughs> we would you know be like, kikiing together. And yeah, that was yeah. not the case. No, <laughs> absolutely not. How'd you take it? Not well. Yeah. You know, like, my mom is very religious, like, raised in a Southern Baptist church, as you probably saw, watching Straight Out of Oz. Mm-hmm. And it was just not something. We didn't know gay people growing up. If someone was gay, they would not, like, publicly discuss that. And it was just not a a thing that you would ever openly admit to someone. Right. And it, had I not had the unique relationship I had with my mom specifically, like, my other cousins would not have told their moms. Hmm. It was because my mom was the mom that was the one that was out of the box who let me do ballet and let me paint the walls and bought me a fog machine and let me, like, create all these things. And um, and so I I felt comfortable enough to tell her that. And it ended up being, like, the start of a really bad chapter of my life and I became super rebellious and like mm-hmm. hated my family and ran away from home a billion times and you know crazy things how's your relationship with your mom now great yeah. we have a great relationship now yeah. and now she's so much better she's met boyfriends that I've had before mm-hmm. and she's come to see me in kinky boots where I'm a woman <laughs> yeah. the show. so yeah it's it's she's come a, a very long way and I have to applaud her for doing that because it it can't be easy to change the mentality you've had for 30 plus years you right. know yeah I mean especially when it's built into religion too you know yeah um, I mean speaking of kinky boots you you have done 103 shows as Lola, right? Yes. Um, how, did you audition for that, or did you was it just a direct offer? It was a direct offer. Amazing. They asked me to audition, and I'm kind of irresponsible, and I didn't get around to doing it. Which, 
Um, I should do more often because every time I actually do send an audition tape, I don't get the job. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they they asked me, and I wanted to audition for it, but I was on tour with Straight Out of Oz last year, right. and my voice was just fried. There was no way I could like learn the music and sing it with the schedule that I was under. Right, right. And so um, I just was like, I can't, I can't make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and then they just called me and offered me the the gig. I kind of wish that I had gotten to audition because I was terrified and mortified to take on a role that Billy Porter originated and won a Tony for. Right, is like not something that you should take lightly. It's a huge responsibility, and I had big shoes to fill, no pun intended. <laughs> so I... um Big boots. Yeah, big boots to fill in the streets. <laughs> and so I had to, like, get myself together. And it this has been, like, the biggest challenge of my life, but so needed. Like, living in L.A. is so difficult in the, the people and the lifestyle and the way people respond and interact with each other is not the most genuine uh, place to live. You can find genuine people as I think you can find in any city but mm-hmm. as a whole, like that whole city revolves around how many Instagram followers you right. have, what is your you know, your credit, you know about well, this. I mean, I think there's just a desperation in LA that doesn't necessarily exist here and where I always go to in my head when I compare the two cities, I feel like if you live in New York, you have to be successful at what you do. You have to be working. You can't live in New York and not fucking do anything. Yeah. Right? The hustle is like so alive here. You can't live, or I mean, you can live in LA and not do anything. It's very easy to live in LA and not do anything. Yeah. So or sometimes you can live in LA and be successful for not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Well, come on, church. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where I was going with the with the Kinky Boots conversation um, was kind of this, this, this play with masculine energy and feminine energy and for you personally, how do you handle the two different energies? Um, I don't really necessarily look at it as two different energies. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, especially in the gay community, there's this like weird thing where we are always fighting for people to embrace us and accept us. But then inside our own community, there's like there's this whole movement. I don't know if you have heard of this, but no fats, no fems, no Asians mm-hmm. type of thing. I feel like no blacks is like at the bottom of the shirt that uh. they cut the fabric off. But like, <laughs> that's also one of the things, but I hate that whole energy. And I, I, a lot of guys like myself included in certain chapters of my life have gone out seeking people who are the most masculine and the closest thing to being a straight man right. possible. And in my experience, when I've met those type of people or had relationships with those people or tried to pursue a relationship, mm-hmm. it's never fulfilling because they like those the people who pretend to be like they're so masculine that they can't do this and these are things they won't say or they won't wear this color or whatever those that's not real that's like a taught behavior or a learned behavior right. and, and probably rooted in some sort of insecurity too absolutely yeah. 100% and and I don't like that and I and I don't that's one issue that I don't feel like I face I, there's right. nothing that I don't wear or do or say because I feel like it might make people think that I'm too feminine or too masculine and um or not masculine enough. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one would ever say I'm too masculine. But I enjoy like sometimes like strutting around and every time I've ever dated someone I've been very open about the fact that I'm not gonna be this 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 person that like if you if the, I find a wig or a dress Queen the fuck out. Yes, yes, yes. Streets, like, <laughs> so you might not get it off me. Like they <laughs> fucked up and sent me my kinky boots to do some promo in LA and I didn't take them off. I was like walking, every time someone came over, I was like putting them on really quick so I could go meet them at the top of the stairs and be like, hello peasants, like when people entered the house. Um, But it's, I just think 
you should do things that are fun that right. make you laugh and like life is so short I've unfortunately lost a lot of friends at a very young age mm-hmm. and um and it makes you really appreciate life and really recognize how fragile it is and how lucky we are to be alive right now Hamilton quote but um but it, it's just it makes you look at every single day and say what can I do to make today count or to like make the best of the day and I wake up every day and try my hardest to make it as positive as possible to laugh and to like be creative and to surround myself with positive people and now I'm really good at like weeding out people yeah. who are not positive totally. like influences in my life I mean, when was the first time you found a wig and a pair of heels and, and got into her I don't know I, I mean I, I don't even remember because it's been like my whole life like yeah, I yeah, don't know yeah, yeah. I always was walking around in heels and stuff I mean it wasn't something that I like enjoyed doing to the point where I considered being a full time drag queen right. but I I wouldn't not be a drag queen if right. I, if, if I woke up tomorrow and said this would be a fun career move for me to do. Yeah. Um, like a legitimate drag queen. I am a drag queen eight shows a week, so yeah. I'm probably more of a drag queen than people who then claim to be not drag, a drag queens queen. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but I don't remember. I've always been playing dress up, and I never looked at it as like, this is a male character, this is mm-hmm. a female character. I just wanted to play every character, you know? Right. Um, and I grew up an only child, so when I wanted to reenact The Wizard of Oz, I had to be Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Lion, Glinda, mm-hmm. the Witch, you know, everyone. Um, and so I never looked at it as men and women roles. I just looked at it as my one-man show, and I had no one else to play these characters with me. So. Yeah. Have you always been obsessed with The Wizard of Oz? Always. Yeah? Since I was a child. What does that mean to you? I think, I mean, I I think my visual album, like, kind of, like, solidified what it meant to me without me realizing it. Right. I was always in this world where I knew, even though there was no internet and there was no way for me to see all of the things that, that were out there, I knew that there was something bigger and greater and grander and that it was not my destiny to live in Plainview, Texas mm-hmm. and work at the local Walmart. No offense and no shade to the people who do work no there. No shade, no shade. But... It was, I just knew that there was something more to life. And um, and I kept going out chasing all these things. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in New York on Broadway, I watched the Never Say Never documentary. And um, I was like, I want to move to L.A. and find my scooter. I want to find someone mm-hmm. who believes in me so much that they will fight and knock down every door to help me accomplish my dreams. Because I, at the root of everything, wanted to be a recording artist. And I never thought I was a great singer or I never like was never super confident in like my gifts, but I thought that I had something and with the right mixture of a lot of different bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors mm. that I could be a star and be on the radio and whatever. And I moved to LA and like started wearing these outlandish outfits and like trying to figure out who I really was and right. what type of music I would want to record and how old were you when you moved to LA, sorry? Well, that would start telling you how old I am. And okay, I was okay. very young, <laughs> unless I still am. It was after not high school? too long ago. It was after high school. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I was 24. Okay. I was 24, and um, and I moved to L.A., and, um, and I started trying to find managers and started making these videos, and they started going viral, and that was how I w- was able to eat and pay my bills right. because I was making money from YouTube. And I one day got a call from Scooter Braun. I did this video called Beauty and the Beat that put Belle from Beauty and the Beast in the hood. Mm-hmm. And it went viral. It was the only video I've ever done that got a million views in one day. Wow. And, um, and I did not know that a song called Beauty and the Beat was 
about to come out with Justin Bieber and Nicki Minaj. Wow. And it was coming out that same week. Well, they tried to take my video down because they thought someone had leaked the song. Uh. And then Scooter saw the video and was like, this is really genius. And like, and so he called me into his office and it was just crazy that I went to LA and I made a vision board and said, I find my scooter. It was on my vision board. Hmm. And then I got the real scooter and I was like, my life is about to change now. Like he's going to, I mean, every single person that he has touched has like blown up and become this huge success. And when it didn't happen and when no, no amount of work that I could do could prove to him that like I was worth his time. I was worth his effort and his energy. I started realizing like, how much racism and how much homophobia there was in this industry. And it was horrible because I had kind of lived my whole life oblivious to these facts that I was, that were in my face every day. Every time I go see Wicked and there's only one black guy in the ensemble, Mm -hmm. I was like, great, I can be that one guy. Or I could be the Corbin Blue character in High School Musical, not realizing there were all of these other opportunities Mm -hmm. that I could have been doing. And it's, it really started to eat at me and made me be like, like I was like, in a corner like being loathing and being upset and being like mad and angry and that was just like not who I was and I started realizing that like if I wanted to make a change I had to like do it for myself right. because I couldn't convince Scooter to think that I was more valuable to him hmm. than than he saw so it was just like a, a huge every day a challenge to wake up and like you go it drive down you know Hollywood Boulevard and you see all these like you know, like beautiful white people beautiful, on yeah. on the, and and I started also yeah. on all the billboards on every magazine, every show I ever grew up watching, mm-hmm. it was always you know like beautiful white people, and I started realizing like I was attracted to white men mostly, and like right. why was that? And I started feeling really bad and like feeling like do I hate my own race? Do I even think that I'm attractive? And it was like a very difficult chapter of life to be in because. Mm. I had to face some, like, very difficult facts that, like, watching TV and reading magazines and all these things had shaped, like, how I felt. And then all my friends were white, so when I would try to talk to them, people would get very defensive about it because no one wants to be called homophobic or racist or, you know, any of these things. And so, finally, I realized that the best way to express how I felt was to write an album. And so then I started... You know, that just fast forwarded through like five years of life. But then I I wrote Straight Out of Oz and it was the best thing I could do Mm. for therapy. And also so many people identified with it, even if they were not black or not gay or not even in the industry at all. Mm. They identified with it because because they identify with the Wizard of Oz, too, you know, absolutely. Um, I just went on the longest tangent of life. That so. was beautiful. <laughs> so what does it mean to be uh, a gay black man in Hollywood today in fucking Trump's America? Um, I honestly don't don't really know, like, even how to answer that question. It seems mm-hmm. very scary, but in some ways, like... I hate to say this, but I feel like Trump is one of the best things that could have happened to America because mm-hmm. I've never seen people get together and rally and like be on one team ever. I don't even remember in, ever ever since I've been alive, mm-hmm. which is only a few short years. But it's like I've never seen people like really getting together and fighting for things. And so I'm looking at that as a silver lining. Like right. 
I've never wanted to be so like I saw your post on your Instagram the other day and I was like I wish I was there mm-hmm. I wish um, and so I it makes me want to become more politically involved and like want to go out in March and not just to post an Instagram picture to say I was there but because I'm like passionate about things that I wouldn't have been passionate about right. years ago yeah. and I want to fight for things that and I, I love more than people going out and fighting for their rights, I love the fact that people are going out and fighting for other people's yeah, rights. Exactly. That straight people are and allies are fighting for gay rights, mm-hmm. that men are fighting for women's rights, mm-hmm. that white people are fighting for the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. And I think that's so great. And that's never happened. Yeah. Um and it wouldn't have happened if anybody else won, you know? Yeah. It might not have happened. Right. And um and so I almost in a s in a in a way am like grateful that's that these changes are happening and making people realize like the things that we have in this country that we take for granted and mm-hmm. that so many other people would give anything to live in this country and to be able to have the freedom to even go out and do what we're doing and have the freedom to fight for their rights and mm-hmm. have the freedom to have their voice be heard you know because it's it's not a right that everyone has and hopefully we will be able to keep those rights yeah hopefully fingers crossed i mean we just have to you know stay activated and we can't stop you know spreading the love around this is the love bomb this is the show hey you Head over to thelovebomb.us to discuss this episode on the forum and see exclusive bonus footage of Todrick and I in the studio. You see, signing up for the site automatically gets you entered in our monthly Love Bombed prize contest, where you get cool little Love Bomb free t-shirt and a bunch of other goodies. So go. Not right now. Listen to the rest of this episode and then you can go. Love you. We're taking you up and down. This is the Love Bomb. Straight Out of Oz is basically a biographical visual album of yeah. my life hmm. to explain to my fans things that they did not know about me. But it's directly paralleled with The Wizard of Oz and goes like in chronological order of the events of Wizard of Oz and how they happened. Um, so when did you first start writing Straight Out of Oz? You said five years ago or? No, no, no. I wrote it in three weeks. Oh, it you was, wrote the whole thing in three weeks? I wrote the whole thing in three weeks and I filmed all of those videos in two weeks. 16 Stop videos. Stop it. Not kidding. And in you, two weeks? In two weeks. And we just, oh my gosh, you should come over one day because um, I, I did a documentary and it shows the entire process of me writing the songs, me shooting the videos, and then me going on tour with the show and self-producing all of it. It was the most stressful thing that I've done, but the thing that I'm the most proud of. I mean, it, if, if anybody hasn't seen it, it is so genius and moving. Like, please go watch it. You can pause this. No, actually, keep listening to this. <laughs> After this is over, go watch Straight Out of Oz. Seriously. I mean, it is just like pure inspiration. Um, and it's like really, really well done. Like, you cannot tell at all watching that that it took two weeks I mean the budget looks like really major but you crowdfunded it correct no no you didn't there was no time to crowdfund it I decided this is the thing I decided to put tickets on sale for my tour which I go on a tour every summer right and I was like I've never done anything Wizard of Oz themed for my tour and I had all these videos and I was like we'll do twerking in the rain and make it the tornado Mm -hmm. and we'll do like I I found a way to creatively use videos that were already existing to tell the story of the Wizard of Oz but then I wanted to make a promo video, and were you, were you in the kitchen when I did this? I don't remember, but I was I was on a hoverboard in my kitchen, <laughs> and I started writing this song, No Place Like Home, which yeah. is the first song, and it was like really dark and like edgy for me because I had done just like a bunch of bubblegum pop-y things mm-hmm. up until that, that moment. 
And everyone was like, this is my favorite thing you've ever written. And mm. so I went to Hawaii on my one-year anniversary with my boyfriend at the time. And I s- extended my stay because I was like, I really kind of think that I should make this a full album. Like, people love this song. And I started thinking of ways. Like, I started thinking about Somewhere Over the Rainbow and how I compared that to being heaven and how I was taught my whole life I would never get to go there and mm. how the streets are paved with gold and you want to go there and you are so afraid to do anything that is not written in this book because if not you won't get to go there right. not only will you not get admittance into this great place but you will be burning in the fiery pits of hell for eternity and i genuinely believed that like was terrified of that mm-hmm. um do you still sometimes i if, if i'm being honest sometimes mm-hmm. i second guess things because you're taught that i mean when from the moment it's you wake up it's just yeah. as much as a part of your life is the fact that you speak with an american accent mm-hmm. it's that that engraved in in, ingrained or engraved what is the word I'm either or both work. either or in, ingrained and engraved in, into who you are that you can't even fathom that not being a part of who you are going to church every Sunday was not an option mm-hmm. mine for 18 years of my life it was you know so when was the last time you went to church not in a while I haven't been to church in a while I, I actually did go maybe a few months before I moved to New York so mm-hmm. it hasn't been like years um, but now I go to church and I go there to just feel like uplifted and I go to a church that is not, you know, like it's a non-denominational church, which right. is like basically a denomination at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people say that, I'm like, OK, um, but but it's just a church that reminds you to be a good person and to be yeah. a good human and to love people. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's really what I do. I go to that church every now and then just to like fill my spirit up with positive energy right, and, right, right. and to be around people who are also trying to be positive. And if this is their outlet or way to go and I love to hear the music and mm-hmm. I love to sing. And there's something about just like gospel music, yeah. even if you're not religious at all, something about the chord progressions and the voices like pierces your soul. And so I just love going to church and just hearing the music mm-hmm. or sometimes I listen to gospel music in my dressing room getting ready for the show mm-hmm. um, because I just think it's beautiful okay your first song that you wrote do you remember it yes what is it it's called um, Someday it was the Wizard of Oz I <laughs> I really got I have a full sleeve tattoo of the Wizard of Oz you oh, can't you see really? it right now because it's covered up with makeup oh yeah yeah um, and I have a tattoo that says Made in Oz on the back of my neck wow. like, I've been obsessed with the story of the Wizard of Oz it's mm. the one thing that is like kept me sane my whole life so but I wrote this song called Someday because I wrote in high school this te- I was trying to put on my own production of the Wizard of Oz <laughs> and this the te- Wizard of Oz was my first show I ever did by the way so let's just keep going Nico I played a munchkin and a monkey I'm about to start looking for rings <laughs> online <laughs> so it, it was the show that made me want to be an actor that's so crazy yeah. I love that um Anyway, the point Sorry. is, I wrote this song, and it was the Dorothy song right. of that. It was like my own version of Summer of the Rainbow. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, Wizard of Oz. Brains, heart, courage. Do you have all three right now? Uh, I I would like to think so. Just, yeah? I mean, yeah, I, I think I do. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of heart, and I am smart in some senses there are some things that are like embarrassing things that I don't know like mm-hmm. geography or if someone is like come to Malaysia and I'm like oh my god where is that like, it'll take like, me three hours I'm getting yeah, in the car yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be there yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Um, I've like literally planned tours and like literally 
people are like, it is impossible. I'm selling tickets, and it's impossible <laughs> to make it to from one location to the other. From Milan to Seoul in three hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never even heard of Seoul. That's what. That's that's who you're dealing with. South Nico. Korea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, th- but but I am smart in a lot of other ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, first time you were in love. First time I was in love was with Gareth, the guy I wrote Color about. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the first time I was really in love. Mm-hmm. I was in strong like with a couple of guys before that. Right. And Gareth I, was white? He was white. Yeah. He was British. Mm. And don't really know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, British. I don't know where that means he's from, but... He's um, English. <laughs> um, um, but um, he he was just amazing. Yeah. He's still such a... a a, a driving force in my life right. even though we have n- don't have a great relationship and he can't talk to me because he has a new fiance mm. whatever but um, how old were you when that started I was 19 mm-hmm. when I met him and then I dated him until I was 24 oh wow or 23 and that was like your first real mm-hmm. boyfriend would you say yeah. yeah that's a good amount of time yeah well it was like too. off and on and it was very difficult because he lived in London so right. we did cruise ships together we did things to try to like be together yeah it, it was really difficult but we tried to make it work the best we could right but i want to say something to you and this is not me just like blowing smoke because i'm here you're the first person i've ever had a crush on from a tv show stop in it. my life <laughs> didn't i tell you that and i have are, a we, post, are, you, talking I have about, your, are you talking about younger oh my gosh <laughs> i was like i really honestly like have never watched a show and been like, I want that guy to be my uh-huh. boyfriend. Uh-huh. It was like, I want to like literally, I like, I was like, I really hope that he's even like some small semblance of this character, like that he's kind of similar to who this person is. And every single person that I've met and like that has n- known you or met you even for five seconds has been like, he's the sweetest person. He's so nice. He's such uh-huh. a gentleman. He's really cool. And um, I, you just have like such a great reputation and everyone like loves you that has worked with you. My my dresser at that Kinky is Boots. not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dresser at uh, Kinky Boots is best friends with Sudden Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Julian, who you've met, mm-hmm. and I he, love Julian, and he he genius. loves you back. He's the one that gave me the calendar. Oh wow, you. that's funny. Do you have a 2017 calendar? Not, no, I, I don't. I will keep reusing the last few years <laughs> one. I don't. It's still up. Like I'm not even joking. In my room, like all my fans, like I like am like this is my boyfriend, and I, I always like scan <laughs> by your your picture and stuff, and it's like an ongoing joke on my on my Snapchat. That's so hysterical. Yeah. I need to start following you. I don't have Snapchat, but we'll download it. I need to just you're like, gonna see, see yourself your a lot. Story, <laughs> drag queens. You are also a judge on RuPaul. You yes. have been. How did that fucking happen? Because I am so jealous of that. I love RuPaul. Yeah. And I've been a huge fan of the show. I honestly don't know how it happened because um, I tried to get my management to get me on the show and they, not, uh, there was no movement. Have you ever thought about auditioning, eh? You tried it. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way I could do that. I have so much respect for them. I can't. Can you sell? I cannot sew the great well and I but I definitely can't do my own makeup right 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 and yeah I can't do my own makeup either I don't think the thing that I've realized about RuPaul's Drag Race is that the best drag queens don't usually win it's the people who have that like off the wall like they're like you know like probably high all the time and mm-hmm. drunk and like they're like very like adore Delano type yeah. people that are mm-hmm. just like I don't give a fuck 
whatever and I'm just not that person I'm such a like a Broadway kid like I'm so professional like I'm gonna have my lines memorized when I get to set I'm gonna do this and and those people never win those type of people I feel like Bianca's kind of like that no kind of but she's like such an old school diva and she's has like so she's so funny and witty and off the cuff Mm -hmm. but like I'm not I think that I'm like funny and witty in certain situations, but not the like likable, funny, witty that like drag queens and like the gay community would like. Like Katya is so funny in oh, the genius. stuff that that she says. Like I don't think I would do well on the show because I would take the competition so seriously. Right, right, right. But um, one day out of the blue, I just got a call and I had been talking to people and said I wanted to work with RuPaul. And one day I got a call from RuPaul and he was like, "I'm coming over," and mm-hmm. I was like. Okay, and when RuPaul comes, says she's coming to your house, you clean up, and you like <laughs> you put on your shoot. boots, girl. You be ready, you be ready. And he came over, and we went on a. Um, he drove me around, and then we talked and got to know each other. And he made me eat this disgusting food. And um, where did you go? It was probably not disgusting. It was just healthy, and yeah, I'm like, was like the least healthy person ever. Like I'm, a, I live in McDonald's and Chick Fil A. It's the worst thing ever. Um. But then he asked me to come on his podcast, and then yeah. I went on his podcast, and we talked about so many things, and we just got to know each other really well, and, and then he asked me to be on the show, and I was mortified. Mm. And But it was fate, because I got asked to be on an episode, and guess what the episode was about? Wizard of Oz. Come on, Saints. Yes, girl. And I was, I got on, <laughs> I... I came there with the most full out obnoxious like emerald city. Saw you it. saw, oh my god! Yes, I'm so. Of course, I've seen every episode of that fucking. I'm job. so embarrassed of that outfit. It was genius, but you came I had it lying around in my closet. So I, I just had a lion around. I did. <laughs> it's, it's crazy when you, if you when you start hanging out with me. You're gonna be like, at Halloween time, everybody calls me. It's like, Tadric, I need a costume, and they uh, come to my house because I have hundreds if not thousands of costumes I have a closet full of costumes too yeah I would love to go into that (laughs) I would love to be there and go through your costume closet um but yeah, and so we we just became friends, and I look at him as such a mentor. And not only do I love him and what he stands for, and like right. what he's done for the gay community, the black community, but what he like how he treats his staff and how he treats the people that work with him. And I think it always speaks volumes when you meet someone. And they, the people that are around them that have been working with him have been there for decades. Yeah, for sure. He's had the same team around him for 20, 30 years. Yeah. You have to be an amazing human being to get people to want to work mm-hmm. with you every single day. Did you write this album and shoot it before Lemonade? No. no I was didn't. inspired by Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was just thinking about time-wise and I was probably like, you fucking... But it was really it. quickly after... It came out. I right. mean, we did this so fast. Like, I have never shot that many videos in a row. Like, we didn't go to sleep. We were shooting three videos a day. And luckily, I just had a team of people around me who knew exactly what I wanted. But they had to go get things blindly because they didn't know where we were going. Like, mm-hmm. no one... I was buying this, the, the outfits and choosing locations for songs that I had not written yet. I would write the songs after we shot two videos wow. a day and go to the studio and write the song wow. all night. And then I would finish the song sometimes 6, 7 a.m. And the call time was at 7 a.m. So I would go and I didn't know the words when I was lip syncing the songs. Like I didn't know the words yet because the songs were that new. It was oh my God. a crazy, crazy experience. Very professional, so yeah. please let me know when you come up with <laughs> Call my manager. So, Who's your favorite character in The Wizard of Us? My favorite character would probably be the Scarecrow because yeah, he's I so do. endearing. Um, he's he's so sweet, and he's the one that is with Dorothy the longest, mm-hmm. and he's just, like, so loyal. And I just always, like, 
wish that like if I was in Oz I would have dated the scarecrow because <laughs> he's just so down he's like I'll go I'll yes. come like I'll be set on fire I don't care whatever you need like he's just like a, just a down ass bitch yeah, that's yeah. what I need in my life just somebody that's ready I'm like I'm going on a road trip bitch are you in like, get in loser we're going shopping <laughs> and he's just ready yeah, I love that do you have somebody like that in your life Chester my best friend yeah yeah how long have you guys been best friends like three or four years mm-hmm. maybe longer than that four or five years yeah he um needed a place to stay for the month of November and then never moved out for yeah. like four years yeah and everywhere I go every job I do I'm like I won't do this job unless Chester can come. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, do you have someone like that? Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like you I have. Gotta a, say it with, they're gonna hear this, and that didn't sound like fully like you meant it. Well, yeah. I mean, I have Bethany, who's my best friend um, here, and I feel like I have somebody in LA uh, who is kind of like that too, Eric. Um, and then whoever I'm dating at the time kind of like takes over that role too in a lot of ways. So me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Are you dating right now? No. No? When was the last time you Well, I, I, I'm on Tinder. Oh, you are on Tinder? Killing it. Well, I got kicked off a few times because Tinder, <laughs> I think they do verify people, but I don't know how to do that. So I, I keep getting kicked off because people keep reporting me because they think, they think it's, it's not you. It's not me. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I'm yeah. like, I'm ready. Yeah. Like, I'm, and I'm trying to swipe in the streets and people are not letting me reach my full swipe potential. Like, and so... Um, Have you ever played the grinder game? No, I, that's not my street. Yeah, yeah. I can't be on that street. Mm-hmm. It's it's too it's too I am like a very um people would meet me and think that like, oh, he is like for sure gonna get turned up at the club mm-hmm. and like he'll like I've never smoked weed in my life. Mm. I've never been drunk. I've never I don't drink at all, but I That I've, actually doesn't really surprise me. Really? Yeah. It's I mean surpri- that in a good way. It does it surprises a lot of people and I don't know if I give off that energy, but I didn't have sex until I was twenty five years mm. old. Wow. Yeah. I am very like So wait a second. You had a boyfriend from 19 to 24. And, yeah. Well, did. so I didn't have sex until I was 24. Like, I was almost 25. What were you doing for, for six years? Touching and kissing and rubbing <laughs> and, uh, and, and hugging. hugging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I we um, were together for years, and he was not a virgin, but he was, like, super respectful of me. And Aww. I always forget about that, like, how sweet that was. That That's he was, so like, sweet. I was like, I'm just not ready yet, and... In my mind, I thought I was going to meet somebody that was, like, my same age. Like, if, if it didn't work out, like, I was going to... I wanted to be, like, this is the person I'm going to be with forever, and that's the person I'm going to have sex with. And it's because I grew up in Texas, and that was, like, the mentality. But even now, I just look at sex as, like, such a serious thing. I don't, like, have one-night stands. Mm-hmm. I don't hook up with, like, random people. And um, it's just not my thing. Right. And I don't knock people that do do that, but... Um, but it takes a lot for me. Like I'm my my. I don't know. I should say that it's like very graphic for me. But my dick is connected to my heart for sure. I, I totally agree with that. It's actually called a demisexual. It's a new little term for you. Really, you have to like be in love before you have sex. Yeah, and it's it's really. Yeah. I don't have to necessarily be in love, but I have to be in strong. Well, for me yeah. to have sex with someone, I would have to. Be emotionally connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's like some avatar shit. You yeah, know? exactly. No, yes. I understand. I totally get it. Yes. I've had maybe two one night stands my entire life and it was like blacked out drunk. Don't remember how it even happened. Yeah. Don't drink anymore. So I know. Congratulations <laughs> on two years, thank by you, the thank way. You, thank you. Thank you. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, I that's 
that's just how I am. So the grinder is just not right, a place not for scene. me. It's just it's too much. So you've met guys on Tinder though. I've met guys on Tinder. Oh. I've only gone on a couple dates because it's been overwhelming, and then it becomes a game. Like you just want to like swipe and swipe and swipe until right. to see how many matches you can get, which is not the point. Hmm. And so yeah, I, I I am trying to schedule some dates, but with an eight <laughs> show week, it's just really difficult. Yeah, I don't understand how you have time to do anything. Really, I don't really have it. I don't like to leave. Like people yeah. are like, can we go? And I don't want to invite them to my house because then they think that I'm trying to like. Right. Getting in, and yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what I'm trying. I'm just trying to get to know you, but right. at my house, you know, yeah, like, and that's just like creepy for people, and it's also creepy for me because I've had very weird things happen, like with people that are kind of fans that are like, mm-hmm. give me the best story you have. I oh my gosh, there's so many stories. I I don't even know how to how to. There have just been weird weird stories where I've like met people or, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you? I mean, the weirdest thing that's happened to me is that there was this guy who just all of he he reached out to me and I love kids. And he's basically said he ran a, a children's theater group and he wanted me to come and work with his ch- children's theater group. And this was before I had management. And so I after a few email exchanges, I gave him my number and he called me. And when I got on the phone with him, he was like, <sighs> like, I immediately oh the vibrato and the voice was like, I knew <laughs> Immediately that this was a not a, I needed to make a U-turn. This is not the street I needed to be on. And and so he started, like, talking to me, and I realized he was, like, crazy, so I stopped talking to him. Then I did this thing where I was raising money, a, a crowdfunding thing, and mm-hmm. for a certain amount of money, it was kind of, like, way too much. I would talk to them for, like, 20 minutes, and he donated, and I... So I called this number. I didn't know who it was, but I answered, and he was like... <sighs> And I said, oh, bitch, I know this damn breath. Okay. And so so then we started talking, and I was like, like, I really don't want to talk to you, but I need the coin, so I'm going to talk to you anyway. And then when I was like, okay, 20 minutes up, so then he donated again, and then he kept donating, donating, Stop donating. It. He donated like $1,000 so he could keep talking to me. He had made a compilation of like all, he liked my butt, and he had like made a compilation of videos that were like literally not sexual at all, but if you could see my butt at all, he had like made this like montage. It was kind of like actually kind of cute, but I was like, <laughs> that is like weird, so weird. So then... I was in Hairspray, and he came to Hairspray, and he would, like, take pictures. He would go see me in Hairspray and take pictures of me walking to my car. And then one morning, he text messaged me and was like, I like your onesie. And so I was walking across the street from where I lived to McDonald's, where I frequent, and I was like just trying to get a hot cakes and sausage and I realized that he, he was watching He was me. just trying to get a yeah. hot cakes and sausage And some of my sausage, yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bitch, you have a stalker on your hands. Yeah. And he started sending me like these very explicit videos. Of him? Of him. Is he older white guy? No. No. Younger black man. Really? He came to my birthday party a couple times, took pictures of me at my birthday party, but I never met him. <gasps> And he was like at my birthday party taking pictures, so it was very weird. And then I got I called the police. Yeah, I mean, you have and the to. The police at that point. reached out to him, and then he called me and was like, "Do you think I'm afraid of the police, Todrick?" <gasps> and he started calling me from like hundreds of times, and it was just like a really really crazy thing. So that would for sure be take the Wait, cake. When was the last time you had contact with this human? A few weeks ago. Like, oh my he god! He creates he he Snapchatted me like all this stuff like this really weird video of him butt naked, and I was like, this is for sure this guy. And I was like, how would he look? He looked all right. He 
right. The body's, <laughs> it, the body's right in the streets. It's, I'm not going to hate on him. He's got a gym membership, but he uses it. And um, But it's just, he's just on another, he's probably listening to this as we speak. I mean, he is very supportive. He buys everything, and he keeps making new accounts, and I can always tell that when it's, it's him. him. Yeah. yeah. Are you afraid of him at all? I'm not really afraid of him, but I just think it's weird. Like his it's in all, Snapchat it, is always like, God is blessed, God mm. is with me. But then he's like jacking off. And I'm like, That ain't God, girl. That's not God, girl. <laughs> like, that's not God. Like, so it that part is like really weird. Like yeah. I like screenshot it because I was like, Why is this person's name this? And then then I realized I was like, only this person would do something so preposterous. And so, um, well, yeah. if you are listening to this, dude, we we see you. We see it. We see it. And like just 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 play it cool. Like just keep a safe distance. We ain't gonna bother you, you ain't gonna bother us kind of yes. thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like appreciate the admiration, but keep it from a distance. Yeah, from please. a distance. From a distance. Yes. Alright. Um the future for Todd Recall, what does it look like? Um I want to write a book. Mm. I, I want to EGOT. I want an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. There you go. In the streets. And I, I want to... Uh, uh, we have producers that saw Straight Out of Oz that want to bring it to Broadway. Amazing. The producers of Kinky Boots. Yes. And so we've been talking to them about bringing that show. I'm writing a new show called Midnight. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yes. That's the... That, That's Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nico, this is it. Okay, and give it to me. First, I give it to me. <laughs> Listen, that's the project that we're gonna do together. Amazing. Give it to me. Tell me. I can't tell you. Okay, that. you can't oh, tell me on this. Okay, I'm not even plugged in. That this is the why it was meant for me to come to this. Yes, that's okay. what we're gonna do together. Perfect. Are you the guy that returns phone calls? Yes, absolutely. Okay. No, no, no. Like once you're in with me, like I, I don't fuck around. Okay. I'm, I'm. I hope that you. No, I mean, I, look, I think that Do we, say, we, there is something similar about the way that we like hold ourselves, I think. Yeah. And I recognize that really quickly on and seeing you on television. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I it, it, it's, it's almost like a, like a work ethic of sorts that I feel like we can share or yeah. we share. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. And I'm a little bit psychic and I like see us working together. Do you see a wedding in the future? <laughs> I just unplugged myself. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, that'll be the answer. I'm looking for that so raven moment. I want to know, like, what am I wearing at the wedding? <laughs> like, just let me know. if When you see that vision, I'll let, let you know what color know. it is. Yeah, okay, no. okay, okay. Um, going back to RuPaul for a second. Okay. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Absolutely. Does Todd Recall love himself? I do. What I does haven't that mean always, to you? And I don't. I don't always, mm. but most of the time I do. Yeah. A word you're going to hear me say often. Love. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, I do love myself. And I and I, I, um, I made all these videos. And at first I started making videos to just be funny. But then I realized, like, what a voice and what a responsibility you have, like, when you have this audience of young kids that are looking at you. And for me to be able to share Straight out of Oz live on stage every night and for these people, like white people, black people, Hispanic people, bringing their children that are five, six, seven, eight years old to come and see a story about a gay black man falling in love with a white mm -hmm. man, kissing on stage, and they're watching it and cheering it on the way I cheered on, you know, like, 
the the characters in the notebook that is like that that is something that wouldn't have happened even five years ago in my opinion right and um and I just think it's so beautiful and so now I have like a, a new I want to say responsibility I'm just gonna say that yeah but it's also something that I feel like is an honor and like a privilege mm-hmm. to be able to shape this new um this new generation of people who are like looking at gay people on the internet and look listening to what their parents are saying and they're like but I am friends with this Tyler Oakley guy and this Joey Graceffa guy mm-hmm. and these people that are that I love on on YouTube and I don't believe that what you're telling me is who these people are mm. and they're able to form their own opinions and find friends and find like allies and people that they look up to on the internet not just what you know like middle America or the the powers that be in some high-rise building in LA choose to feed them on right. the Disney Channel yeah and I I just love that I think it's so beautiful and I'm so grateful that this is where my life is and that I can be my own boss and create my own content and make and shape my own career and that's what I intend to keep doing and so I love not just myself but I love life and I love this the challenges that have been that I've been faced with and I don't necessarily look at being gay and being black as a challenge as much as I did before now I look at it as like if it had been and and when I go see Book of Mormon there's a part where he's like well if they had already baptized a lot of Africans it wouldn't be as cool when you did it like Mm. now I look at this as like I could be the first person to do this or mm. the first person to do that. And that, to me, is exciting. Hmm. I love that so much. You have a platform and a voice now. I mean, do you feel like you have more of a responsibility now to just, like, continue that? Yeah, that but message? I don't feel like it's a responsibility. It's the, just yeah. the only thing that I love to do. Like, Sister Act 2 is a movie that I, like, use all the time as like a reference in life because it's one of the first times I realized I wanted to sing. I loved Lauren Hill growing up in that movie. And um and Whoopi Goldberg says to her at a certain point, whatever it is that you think of the first moment you wake up, that's the thing that you're supposed to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And every morning when I wake up, I I want to perform and I want to make art and I want to express myself online and I I love I don't just put videos out and like get fans and not get to know them like I meet my fa- I I would not be able to be on Broadway right now in this role if it weren't for my fans being so supportive and so amazing and and so I talk to them all the time I Snapchat them I talk to them on Twitter and when I see them like I'm not just like oh hey I remember who they are yeah. I remember who they're parents are I've watched them grow up fall in love get married come back with kids like that's happened Mm. that cycle has happened a lot with my fans and um and so I just I I love it and and so I don't feel like it's a responsibility it is I feel part of my responsibility but I don't even look at it that way at all that's an honor just like you probably don't look at being in movies or the TV TV shows that you've done as a job like yeah. because you love doing it mm-hmm. you know and this podcast too you know like this really has been the one thing in my career that has like brought me closer to myself and to like the people and other people in the industry that like I really have always looked up to like even just us having this conversation you know it just it's reworking things yeah for me for you for anybody that's listening to it like yeah. that that I feel like is my responsibility now at this point, you yeah. know, to just like help, help affect the positive change. Yeah. All right. Last question. What does love mean to you? What is love? Love. I don't know. Hmm. 
because there are so many different types of love. You know, like the love that I have for someone who I look at as a partner is different from the love I have from a parent or mm-hmm. the love that I have for friends or the love that I have for my fans. So I'm trying to think of what to me is the underlying thread that puts all those things together. And I don't really know like what the word would be that I would use to describe that, but I I know that I like the type of love that is like truly unconditional where mm-hmm. like for that person you would like do anything and um and I think that that like love is blind like I think that love should be something that is is not hard to do like it, it people make love be so difficult and I think if you love someone it should it should be easy like the love part should be easy not the relationship necessarily mm-hmm. but loving someone should be easy and it should come natural and it should be so like organic and I think that's the reason why I'm not in a relationship right now cuz I want to feel that way and whoever I'm in love with I want to feel like they're my best friend like mm-hmm. I can talk to them about anything and I think I've been in a lot of relationships where I'm close friends with them but there are things that I don't want to tell them or I can't tell them and that's not the kind of shit I'm looking for I'm looking for like that like jump off the deal I want some sparklers running around in the we found love kind of situation someone you can fart in front of and yes. love it like uh, someone you look forward to them farting <laughs> that's that's real love right there yeah. what, okay I have one more question sorry what's, <laughs> what's your greatest source of inspiration my greatest source of inspiration Beyonce. So. I knew you were gonna say it. Did I just really? wanted to hear you say it. Yeah. Yeah. She's just amazing, and I, like I just I love her, and getting to work with her was like the highlight of mm. my life, and the fact that she found me on the internet, and she has truly shaped like my work ethic, how I treat my employees, how hands on I am with everything, and how like I never like to miss shows ever. Um, I will never cancel a show. I I mean I. Everything about working with her has, like, changed my perspective on, like, what it means to be a celebrity and how you can be at the top of the game but still be sweet to people mm-hmm. and not addressing negative feedback, things like that. Like, the things that are a struggle for me because sometimes you can – I'm sure you know this – you can get a million nice comments and the one bad comment will ruin everything. Yeah. will be the one that mm-hmm. sticks in your mind and the one you think about as opposed to the uh, – amazing comments you got right and she is the person that told me like don't scroll down don't apologize for things if you post them you meant it in that Mm. moment and don't apologize for it because that's you you're human you're allowed to change your mind you're allowed to completely have a different opinion or feeling this year than you did last year or this week than you will next week like we talk about that a lot on the show yeah Yeah. and i love that and every i i Without being like obsessive, like I want it, I write what would Beyonce do all the time because for a career and as a human being and the way she treats her staff and stuff, I'm always like, if she were in this situation, what would she do? And right. I think she's had a pretty flawless career, no pun intended again, mm-hmm. and, and, and not a lot of controversy for yeah. her being in the limelight. And to be honest, she wouldn't be able to be the person she is if she had a lot of controversy. She knows that, like, she wouldn't be able to get away with the stuff that Britney Spears does in the streets. Like, it would never happen. She has to be on her A game all the time. And she's like the Obamas to me. Mm. Like, if there was one thing that people could have seen that was negative, it would have been highlighted, blown up, and never let go. And they they were just a class act. I Mm. just love them so much. Beyonce, to me, is... The best person in the world at their job. There's nobody better at their job 
than Beyonce is. Say that one more time for the people in the background. There is nobody better at their job than Beyonce is. I'm really like, she's it. She is. And you are it. Thank you. I love you, you Todd Rickall. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is me. just the beginning of, I, I, I really think, a lifelong friendship. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you for having me. All right. I love it. This is the love bomb. This is the show. Oh my God, Todd Rick, I love you so much. Um, this episode was lovely. I, I've been a fan of yours for a while, and it was just really nice to sit down and hear the man behind the curtain uh, drop some knowledge uh, and really just, I don't know, your story's magnificent. And thank you so much for. Uh, coming on the show uh i was actually with todrick at the rupaul's drag race finale and oh my god you have no idea what y'all are in store for what an incredible night follow todrick on instagram that's at t-o-d-r-i-c-k at todrick and hey if you haven't seen straight out of oz yet do yourself a favor go on youtube type in some straight out of oz and your mind will be blown and on a more serious note Yesterday marks exactly one year since 49 LGBTQ people and allies lost their lives at Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. This event goes down as the largest mass shooting in American history. I want to end this episode by taking a moment and saying the victims' names. And as you hear them, I want you to just send love to them and their families and remember how lucky we are to be here today and how much more work we have to do. It's the middle of June, Pride Month. Be proud of who you are and what you represent. And never, never let anyone else tell you that you're less than anything. Edward, Stanley, Louis, Juan, Louis, Eric, Peter, Kimberly, Eddie, Daryl, Bianca, Alejandro, Anthony, Jean, Frankie, Amanda, Martin, Louis, Mercedes, Xavier, Enrique, Gilberto, Simon, Oscar, Miguel, Javier, Jonathan, Joel, Jason, Corey, Juan, Louis, Shane, Juan, Harold, Leroy, Tevin, John, Rodolfo, Brenda, Yilmari, Christopher, Angel, Frank, Paul, Antonio, Christopher, Akira, Geraldo. I love you all. Rest in peace, angels. <laughs>